0: Thursday, November the 11th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, a Sino-American pledge on climate and rampant inflation in America. First, the world in brief. America and China surprised COP26, the UN Climate Summit, by releasing a quote Joint Glasgow Declaration on Enhancing Climate Action in the 2020s. It is long on promises and short on details, suggesting that the two countries will collaborate on research as well as policies to decarbonize and prevent illegal deforestation. China has also promised to present a plan to curb methane emissions. America's consumer price index rose at an annualized rate of 6.2% in October, its fastest pace since the year ending in November 1990. Disruptions to supply chains caused sharp increases in the price of energy, food, shelter and vehicles. Prices rose by 0.9% between September and October, compared with only 0.4% between August and September. The head of Iran's Environment Department told the BBC that his country will ratify the Paris Climate Agreement only if Western governments remove the economic sanctions they have imposed to deter its nuclear program. Iran, the eighth largest emitter of carbon dioxide, acknowledges the urgency of tackling climate change but argues it cannot afford to join the global effort under the weight of its economic blockade. Unemployment in Australia jumped to 5.2% in October from 4.6% in September, a bigger increase than analysts had forecast. The economy shed 46,300 jobs despite lockdowns lifting. But this could be darkness before dawn. Bjorn Jarvis, the head of Labour Statistics, said The increases in unemployment show that people were preparing to get back to work. Shares in Rivian leapt from their offer price upon its listing in New York, giving the electric truck startup a larger market capitalization than Ford. By raising $11.9 billion, Rivian's IPO became America's largest since 2014. The euphoria, despite Rivian's admission of stonking losses having only started deliveries in September, demonstrates investors' ravening enthusiasm for electric vehicles. Financial filings showed that Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, another electric vehicle maker, sold about $1.1 billion worth of shares this week. That should cover American tax he will incur by exercising options set to expire in August 2022. The Mercurial Mr. Musk had staged a Twitter poll at the weekend, asking whether he should sell 10% of his shares. This sale was far smaller and set in motion in September. Russia made it clear whose side it was on in the Belarus-Poland border crisis by dispatching two bombers to patrol Belarusian airspace. The EU is considering imposing sanctions on Belarus, which it blames for an influx of migrants across Poland's border. While recriminations fly, hundreds of migrants remain trapped near the border in freezing conditions. Figure of the day. 75%. The percentage of executives working remotely who want to get back into the office three days a week or more. Only 34% of non-executives felt the same way. Why are bigwigs so much keener on the office? And correction. In Wednesday's edition of Espresso, we wrongly identified Ashley Barty as the Olympic champion of women's tennis. Belinda Bencic is the current champion. Miss Barty is the highest ranked female player in the world. And now here's today's agenda. Ready to dwindle. Singles Day. For Chinese shoppers, Thursday is the happiest day of the year. For many retailers too. Singles Day, an informal shopping holiday on November 11th, picked because the date is made up entirely of lonely ones, will see tens of billions of dollars in goods sold in a few hours. If all goes to plan, sales on the shopping platforms of Alibaba, China's largest e-commerce group, will surpass the $78 billion raked in last year. It should go without a hitch, despite the hot water many tech groups have found themselves in over the past year. Jack Ma, Alibaba's founder, has been a particular target. The company was handed a record fine of $2.8 billion in April for antitrust infractions. Some fear new anti-monopoly rules could hamper results during the biggest shopping day of the year. But the Chinese government, despite its qualms with certain companies, wants its people to consume and will not get in their way. Good Neighbours, Afghan Diplomacy Rival international meetings this week will try to address Afghanistan's impending catastrophe. The World Food Programme, a UN organisation, has warned that the country could become hell on earth with 23 million people marching towards starvation. The competition between the gatherings shows that, though on the brink of disaster, Afghanistan is still at the mercy of geopolitics. On Wednesday, India hosted diplomats from Iran, Russia and Central Asia. Pakistan, India's old rival and China, Pakistan's ally, were absent. They will go to the more heavyweight of the meetings in Islamabad, Pakistan's capital, on Thursday. The Taliban's foreign minister and America's representative to the region will also attend the Taliban will be urged to make their government more inclusive of other factions, a point on which they are unlikely to give ground. Without more balanced leadership that could prevent renewed war, Afghanistan's woes may yet redouble. New Friends Mali turns to Russia On Thursday, Sergei Lavrov Russia's Foreign Minister, will meet Abdullah Diop, his Malayan counterpart in Moscow. Mali is reportedly close to recruiting Wagner Group, a controversial Russian mercenary outfit, to fight its jihadist insurgency. Deaths in the country resulting from the conflict have risen from about 430 in 2015 to more than 2,800 last year. The possibility of Russian involvement was first reported after France, which has about 5,000 troops in Burkina Faso, Mali and Niger fighting jihadists, said it would close several bases in northern Mali and eventually halve its operation. Yet the prospect of Russian mercenary involvement has angered France. Its relationship with Mali had already soured after soldiers there staged a second coup within 12 months in May. The putschists had promised to hold elections in February next year but this week abandoned that timeline. For long-suffering Malayans, there is little relief in sight. What a drag. Britain's economy. On Thursday, economists will feast on new data describing the British economy in the third quarter of the year. Monetary policy makers at the Bank of England we're expecting GDP to grow by 1.5% compared with the previous quarter, a slowdown from the 5.5% increase in the second quarter. Supply chain disruptions around the world are holding back the recovery from COVID-19. Cautious consumers are not helping either. Their confidence has dipped in recent months, and savings are still higher than they were before the pandemic. This does not seem to be because of COVID-19. The share reporting that they are not worried about the virus has climbed from just over 20% at the start of the year to almost 60% in October. Rather, it may be that rising energy prices are squeezing consumers' budgets. A sustained recovery from the pandemic will rely on some greater cheer. Video killed the radio's charm Podcasts on TV Television directors have snapped up another crime podcast. Following adaptations of Homecoming 2018 and Dr. Death 2021, The Shrink Next Door, an eight-part series based on the audio serial by the same name, begins airing on Apple TV on Friday. Such adaptations have thus far proved tricky. The show follows Dr. Isaac Hertzkopf, Paul Rudd, known as Ike, a psychiatrist, and his patient Marty Markovitz, Will Ferrell, as Ike encroaches on Marty's life, isolating him from his friends and family and taking over his property and business. The story came to light when Joe Nocera, an American journalist, learned his neighbour in the Hamptons didn't own the house where he lived, but seemed to have taken it from the man he had thought was the gardener. The show's jocular casting reimagines the encounter as a dark comedy, eliminating Mr. Nocera and the investigative angle that had hooked listeners. Devotees may miss the skin-crawling sensation of true crime. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Peter Drucker, who died on this day in 2005. There is nothing quite so useless as doing with great efficiency something that should not be done at all. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast.